you have your Bibles tonight and you would, please find the 26th chapter of Matthew as we are continuing to go through the book of Matthew verse by verse. And tonight I want to talk to you about a perfect example. A perfect example. Most of us can think back in our lives and we can think about people who have been good examples and we can think about people who have been bad examples. Uh, If you were blessed to have wonderful Christian parents, you could say that uh, you had wonderful examples. Not perfect, but wonderful. Maybe you are here today saying, I saw the life that my father or mother had and I swore I would never be like them. That would be a poor example. But we have a perfect example. And when we look at Jesus, tonight we're looking at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's important because what we see in this passage of Scripture tonight is Jesus following faithfully um, the plan that God has for His life, uh, even when it gets difficult. And most of us, whether it's individually or as a family, or as a church, uh, it's easy to be faithful when things are going well. Uh, It's easy to come to church when marriages are fine. It's easy to come to church when finances are fine. It's easy to come to church when your kids are still little and they all march in and they look so cute and wonderful. and, And it's a little different when they become teenagers and you can see the look on their face when they're drug into church. And you know that, boy, they did not want to be here today. Or when you're coming knowing that maybe someone else knows your mistakes. That's the thing I hear from people the most a lot of times after they've done something, whether it was in their marriage or they've made a mistake and people know about it, is I just, I have a hard time coming to church because I know that I'm forgiven, but people know my mistakes. And so tonight I want to show you that Jesus set an example for us about how we can be faithful even when it gets difficult. How we can be faithful even when our circumstances aren't what we think they should be. And I hope tonight that's not where you're at. Tonight I hope that you can say, Jake, our marriage is good, our family is good, our finances are good, things at church are good, but know that there is a chance that at some point that will be different. Maybe it's a year from now, five years from now, Hopefully the Lord raptures us all out of here before my sermon's over and this is not necessary and you don't need this. But when you look at the Garden of Gethsemane and what Jesus went through, it's important to remember the why of why it's going on. In Hebrews the 12th chapter, a very familiar verse of Scripture starting in verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. And don't miss that statement because when we look at Jesus in the garden, it's kind of hard to see joy. But yet the heart before... the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged, 
in your souls. The only way that you will overcome discouragement is by looking to the perfect example. You say, Jake, I don't get discouraged. I'm afraid you are not being honest. Because if you look around with all the stupidity in the world that we see today and don't get a little bit discouraged, you need to get saved. Because you can't watch the news. You can't hear people talk about things and not realize that the way we're going is a direction that is not going to receive the blessing of God. I don't know if you've watched the news much, and I don't like to talk about the news much because it's so depressing, but it's not just a big city problem. It's coming to a town near you. Galatians, the first chapter in verses 3 and 4 says it like this, Grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father. And so Jesus died, endured the cross for our sins to not only encourage us, but to deliver us. In Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 17, it says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. In order for him to understand what we go through, to understand truly what it's like to battle and deal with the flesh, he became sin for us. He took our place, became the propitiation for our sins. And you say, Jake, why would you say all of that? Because if you forget the why, the Garden of Gethsemane, you will miss the purpose. You'll see the trees, but you'll miss the forest. And so when we think about what Jesus went through and why He went through it, (coughs) He went through it for your sins and mine. When we see Him weeping and praying in the garden, when we see Him going through the agony of what it was, remember that it was to save you from your sins and to save me from my sins. And so when we think about that, it should cause us to realize if this is the love and the example that He set for us, this is what I want to follow. This is who I want to follow. Don't follow a pastor. Don't follow a church. Follow Jesus. And so tonight, if you'll pray with me, we will jump right in. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would work and move tonight. Lord, I am unable, I am inadequate, I cannot do the task that is before me unless you do it. So Father, I pray that you would speak, that your spirit would work, that you would be glorified in all that is said and done. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will, we see a commitment to the will of the Father. We see a commitment to the will of the Father. Starting in verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And He took with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
You say, but we just read in Hebrews chapter 12 where he said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. But yet when we read here in verses 36 through 39, he was sorrowful, he was distressed, even to the point of death. Why is that? Because we are seeing a beautiful picture here of Jesus as being fully God, understanding what was going to happen after the crucifixion, after His death, at the resurrection, where sinners like you and I, who deserve hell, who are enemies of God, who could not be saved on our own, would be welcomed into the family of God. But yet the flesh recognizing what was going to have to happen the crucifixion, the the beatings, the spitting upon, the, the flogging, all of that was overwhelming, but not as much as knowing the perfect judgment of God. You see, we talk a lot about the physical aspect of the crucifixion, but that wasn't what it was. It was the fact that the Father poured out the punishment for sin on Him. Perfect judgment. Perfect judgment, perfect punishment for sin, and He was going to have to take it. Now that's the worst thing about getting in trouble when you're a kid, right? I can remember on the way home from Walmart many a times, if you touch your sibling one more time, if you touch those toys one more time, we're going to spank you when you get home. And we would accumulate a few, right? And on the ride home, it would always be like, if we're really good, will you take some off? And it wasn't that bad. I don't remember getting that many spankings. Maybe I've just blocked it out of my mind. But the ride home was the worst. It would have been best just to get right there in Walmart, get them, get it over with, and ride home. But the whole way home, you're telling yourself, this is going to be so bad. I don't know if we're going to survive this. I just can't imagine that. It's going to be so bad. Is it going to be a hand or is it going to be a belt? What's going to happen? Your life begins to flash through your eyes, right? You're talking about the fact that I've had a good nine years, right? You know, we've, I've got so much more I want to live for. And usually it wasn't that bad. I wasn't abused as a child. I should have got a lot more spankings. There's no doubt about that. But the, the waiting, the knowing what is coming. And truly, Jesus would have known. He would have known what judgment looked like. He is God. He was there at the beginning. Everything was made by Him and for Him and through Him. I mean, He was a part of the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. He would have been a part of all the judgments throughout the Old Testament. But knowing that the judgment of all sin was going to be placed upon Him. That is why the distress and the sorrow. It's because of you and I. What we have done in our lives and our rebellion against God that He was coming for that purpose. To be what? The propitiation for our sins. To die in our place. To take the punishment we deserve. And so as we see this, we see His commitment. That last statement. Not as I will, but as you will. As the perfect example, when we follow Christ, we have to have that mindset that God, I'm going to follow you even if it doesn't make sense. God, I'm going to follow you even if it's not what I would choose. 1 Kings in chapter 8, starting in verse 59, we see these words. And may these words of mine, 
with which I have made supplication before the Lord. Be near the Lord our God day and night, that He may maintain the cause of His servant and the cause of His people Israel, as each day may require, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Listen to verse 61. Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God, to walk in His statutes and heap His commandments as at this day. He was telling them, you have to follow the Lord. You have to make a commitment to follow Him and His teachings and His commandments and be loyal because the world is watching. They are looking to see if the God that we really claim is making a difference in our life. I hear people say things like that all the time. Well, I've just got a temper. I've always had a temper. Ain't nothing going to change. I'm going to be this way. Or I'm just miserable and grouchy all the time. I'm going to be miserable and grouchy forever. Look up here. Either you have quenched the Spirit of God or you are lost. Because the God that I serve can change everything about me. He can change my attitude. He can change my desires. He can change my personality. He can change my goals. He can change who I am into something what? Brand new. And if it's brand new, everything changes. When you trade in your car that's knocking, but yet you tell someone that it's not knocking, and you get a new car, you don't want the knock to follow you, do you? Or that scratch that you got because you backed into one of your other vehicles that was sitting in the driveway. You don't want that same scratch on the new car when you buy it. But yet we think in our life that we don't want any of the new. We just we want to stay the same, but yet we want to go to heaven. But yet Jesus makes you into a new creation. Yes, you battle with the flesh. Yes, you struggle with the flesh. But there is never a time when you look back and say, Boy, I sure like that beat-up old car. I love the fact that every time I'd go through a drive-thru, it'd smell like oil, and someone would look back and say, Is your van on fire? No, I know. Just keep on driving. It was that same lady from, no, I'm just kidding, from McDonald's last week. I understand. But what we see here is that Jesus was committed to the will of the Father. And I want to ask you tonight, are you committed to the things of God? Are you committed to go where He tells you to go, to follow Him in the areas that He's asked you to follow Him, no matter the cost? Because the perfect example that we see is, even though Jesus was going through all of this, He went through it. Second thing I want to show you tonight is this. We see a commitment that didn't waver because of others. A commitment that didn't waver because of others. Look in verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done." And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. You see, Jesus is closest friends on earth. The people who have just swore to him that they would be loyal, they would be faithful, they would follow him to death, are asleep. But yet it did not change his commitment 
to the Father. Now, I would translate this in our day and age as something like this. Well, I am so sick and tired of sermons like that. Or do you know that so-and-so didn't speak to me for three Sundays in a row? Or do you know the church didn't do what I thought they should do? Or can you believe it? They're still talking about how you ought to be here on Sunday night. Or many other things about people. The reason that people seem to be quitting Christ is because the faults they find in others. The church is full of hypocrites. The pastor's not perfect. The deacons didn't do this. And so it becomes an excuse. Jesus could have said, well, if they're just going to lay down and sleep, so be it. I'm not going through what I'm going through. How many times do we waver in our commitment to our marriages and to our children because things don't work out the way they are? How many times have you said, if that's the way they're going to be, then fine. Why? Because what others have done to us affects us. And friends, tonight I want to challenge you with this. It does not matter what anyone else does. You must know your commitment to Christ. You have to be committed to Him no matter who's preaching here, no matter who is, is visiting your Sunday school class, no matter who sits next to you in the chair on Sunday morning, whether they're, they, they don't like you, you don't like them, they... They, they said your cat was ugly, whatever it is. Friends, so many times the difficulties of other people cause our commitment to Christ to falter. But yet Jesus stays the course, doesn't He? He says the spirit is deed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus tells them to be in prayer because the flesh is weak. And tonight I want to challenge you that for us the spirit is weak. The reason that Jesus wants them to be praying is because He understands that if you are not going to pray, you are going to fail. It's kind of like the old analogy of why church is so important. And the preacher takes from an old um, uh, fireplace, right? And he takes out one of the uh, one of the little pieces that are on fire and sets it over here. And after a short period of time, it begins to go out. But yet all of the fire and the embers that are still together, that are still in the fireplace, are continuing to burn. Why? Because that one lone piece out on its own begins to grow cold. And so what we see here is Jesus is telling them, you need to be praying, you need to be on guard, you need to know that if you are not following Christ, if you're not being held accountable, if you're not being challenged, you are going to drift in your walk with the Lord. You're going to become weak, you're going to become anemic, and you are going to stumble. Spiritual failures are usually a long time in the making. Most people don't wake up one morning and say, I just can't wait to ruin my marriage. Most people don't wake up one morning and say, I just can't wait to split the church. Most people don't wake up one morning and say, I just hope I'm a total disappointment to my parents. But over the course of time, and the things that happen, and the decisions that are made, it changes us. Paul was a wonderful example about staying the course, even when everyone else failed him. In 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 9, Paul writes these words, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Tida, Titus for Dalmatia, 
Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Antiochus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troy when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. And listen to verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Paul could have said, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I've been bitten by snakes, and these people have left me here to rot. I'm not going back. I'll go back to making tents and using the money for myself. Listen to what Paul wrote in verse 17, one of the most encouraging verses. But the Lord stood with me. I don't know if you've ever been in the valley, but that's where it's at. I don't know if you've ever been a place where you felt the whole world betrayed you, but that's where it's at. But the Lord stood with me. And that would be enough just to know He's there, but it gets even better. And strengthened me. You see, we are trying to live our Christian faith on the opinions of other people on the fellowship of Sunday school classes, on the feel-good messages. But what we really need is Him. Tonight, if you cannot say that you are reading your Bible, that you are praying, that you are in a, a deep time of relationship with Jesus, I am telling you, when the waves come, your boat will capsize. If this church gets to believing that its ability is in its crowds or its offering or the personalities that are on the stage, when the waves come, the boat sinks. Because friends, you need nothing in this world other than Jesus. This church needs nothing other than Him. And friends, if you will love Him with all that you have, if you will follow Him, if you will trust Him, you can say what Paul said. But the Lord stood with me. And the Lord strengthened me. But don't miss the why. Paul was doing what God had asked him to do. It goes on and says, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I also was delivered out of the mouth of the lion... And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, as long as I am where God wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do, there is nothing that evil can do to me. There is nothing that Satan can do to me. There is nothing that this world can do to me because God has a purpose and a plan for my life and He's not going to call me to something that He's not going to stand with me and He's not going to strengthen me. You say, well, that's how I live my life. I would encourage you to think about something. What are you doing for the Lord that requires Him to strengthen you? You say, well, putting up with my spouse, that's it. i got to have all the strength I can get. I don't disagree with that. I know some of your spouses. And you know my wife's spouse, so you understand. But what I'm seeing here is most of us are not on mission for Jesus. 
we're on mission for ourselves, And we want the Lord to strengthen us to do what we want to do instead of what He wants us to do. You see, friends, you don't get access to the power and the presence unless you're marching somewhere where you need it. Most of us are not doing anything for the Lord. But I want to encourage you, if God's calling you to do something, you step out and watch how God will provide. You say, well, Jake, I can't teach. I can't witness. I, I just, I, I can't be. Then don't expect God to show up and show out. But friends, when you're willing to say, Jesus, whatever you want from me, for this church, when we begin to step out and say, God, what do you really want for us to do that only you can do? It's in those moments when we'll be able to say, everybody else thought we were crazy. No one else wanted to go that direction. But what? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Third and final thing tonight. We see a perfect example of a commitment that understood the challenge to come. He understood the challenge to come. We looked at how the commitment was to the will of God. We looked at how the commitment didn't waver because of others but a commitment to understand the challenge to come. Look what it says in verses 44 through 46. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You see, if I'm Jesus and the flesh is in my life, I'm running. He knew that Judas was becoming and he waited there. Jesus knew the cross was coming and waited there. Jesus knew the humiliation, the torture, all that was going to go on and stood there. Most of us say things like this, well, if I just knew the future, it'd help me be faithful. Or if I just knew how this was going to work out, it would help me to be more faithful. Actually, it probably wouldn't. You actually know how it's going to work out. One of these days, God's going to call you home to a perfect place. And He's going to ask each and every one of us who didn't do anything to get there, who didn't build anything, prepare anything, just believed by faith. And He's just going to ask us. And He's already going to know, have we been faithful? And our goal is to hear what? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And tonight, if that doesn't motivate you, knowing how your conversations with your lost co-worker is not going to change anything, if that doesn't motivate you, how being the head of your household is going to work out is not going to change you. If starting to step out in faith and give faithfully financially to ministries in your local church, if heaven doesn't convince you that it's a good idea knowing how your bank account balance is not going to influence you. You see, Jesus understood the challenge to come and was faithful. And tonight I want you to know something, that standing for Jesus is going to cost you something. 
question is, is it worth it? Following Jesus is going to cost you financially probably at some point. It's probably going to cost you relationships with other people because we are living in a world that the truth does not matter. Following Jesus is probably going to cost you something when you they hear you go out there to 10 mile and listen to that crazy guy preach on topics that no one should talk about. It is. Someone recently said, I invited someone to church and they said, I've been wanting to come out and listen to that guy preach for a long time. They said, I turned around and invited someone else and they said, there ain't no way I'm going to go out and listen to that guy. I said, see, all you can do is invite people. Someone recently told me I was sharing my faith and somebody was really open to the idea of being saved, but yet wasn't. And someone else wanted no part of it. You see, friends, only God knows the results of our labor, but we labor on. Only God knows the people that are going to be saved, but we just keep sharing on. Only God knows the future for this church, but we should keep plugging along, keep serving. I, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed teaching the three- and four-year-old Sunday school class. I do not want to do it forever, but I have thoroughly enjoyed doing it. I like to do puppets. And every week, I don't have any trouble, right? I have my silly dog voice, my silly horse voice. You know, quality work, let me tell you. I'm going on the road. But today, my child was in there. And she just kept saying, Dad, I know that's you. <laughs> I do my little puppet thing. Dad, you can come out of there. And I kept thinking, I'm going to take the stick of this horse and I'm going to beat you. <laughs> All the other kids are listening to the dog or listening to the horse. And my kid keeps saying, that's my dad back there. And friends, I cannot tell you the impact that's going to have on three- and four-year-olds, but I believe you should plant seeds. Friends, I believe this church has to be committed that even though we'll see family after family when their kids get older, get so entangled with the things of this world that they will fall by the wayside. We will help people, love people, sit beside people, and the first chance they get, they will turn on you and this church. But friends, you have to keep sowing. You have to keep loving. You cannot let your heart grow bitter. John, the 18th chapter, in verse 4, Jesus said these words, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon Him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Jesus knew everything and stayed the course. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, is one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament, which I know many of you feel the same way. But Jesus is the Word. The Word made flesh. And so He would have known Isaiah 53 because it's about Him. It was written through Him. And it says these words, He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. 
for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The joy that Hebrews was talking about was the joy of knowing that you would be saved and that you would have an eternity with Him. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not always the most joyful person to be around. And I would say many times someone would have to think about hanging out with me and think, I don't think that's going to be very joyful. But yet Jesus, knowing the fruit of His labor, was brought great joy. Friends, um, there was a song they sang to Billy Graham, and it was talking about the fact that when he got to heaven and would get to see all the people that his ministry through the preaching of the gospel had impacted. And friends, that's how you have to believe. Church is hard. It's messy. There are Sundays when you want to give up. There are Sundays when you want to go somewhere else. There are Sundays when you want to stay home. There are Sundays when you don't want to be around people. I understand all of it. But never forget the joy that you will see from your labor one of these days when God calls you home, when God calls me home. And so if Jesus' motivation and example was to go forward because He knew what God the Father would do, that should be ours. Friends, don't be distracted by other people. Don't lose commitment because it doesn't go your way. But remember that God will honor obedience to His Word. And you might think you're just picking kids up on the vacation Bible school bus, but you are sowing into the kingdom. You might think that next Sunday night when you're packing those shoe boxes, you're just packing boxes full of stuff, but you're sowing seed. You might think that sitting here on a Sunday night when most people stay home and, and everybody here is saved and everybody here has been forever, but I can tell you there's some little kids that are in here tonight that are probably looking around going, boy, those people don't seem to enjoy church very much. I don't know, you know how they think, they think that because sometimes I stand up here looking at you and I think that. You might think working in the nursery doesn't matter, but that young mother who comes to church that's stressed out, that's burnt out, that's, that's wondering oh, what in the world she's going to do and gets just a little bit of time to drop off that kid, that blessing of a kid, that kid she's thankful to have, but... Holy cow, right? And can come in here. She doesn't even listen to the sermon, but she's thinking, oh, you never know how much of a difference you might make. And friends, Jesus was our example to stay the course no matter the opposition. And that's my challenge to you. Stay committed. Stay faithful. And trust that God will use you to make an eternal difference in the lives of people. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for Jesus and for knowing that he was going to go 
through what he went through and yet stayed the course. Father, thank you for his perfect obedience, his perfection in every way. Father, I just pray tonight that you would help us to see him and what he has done for us. Father, tonight I just ask for forgiveness, knowing my sinfulness and wickedness. And Lord, tonight I just pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, that tonight would be that night. Father, I pray for that family that's here tonight that struggles with commitment. They've struggled with other people. They've struggled with hurt and pain. That tonight they just come lay it down and say, Lord, we're going to follow you no matter what. Lord, for that person tonight that's still holding on to things in their life, that says, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to do what I want, that tonight, Lord, that's not how it works. Father, I pray that you'd help this church to have a desire and passion to serve you full steam until the day you call us home. Lord, use this place, use these people for your glory. And Lord, I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.